Welcome to AJHP Voices, a series of discussions with AJHP authors and interviews focused on contemporary issues that drive health outcomes. AJHP is the official journal of ASHP. Its mission is to advance science, pharmacy practice, and health outcomes. Hello, this is William Selmer for AJHP Voices. I'm speaking with the lead author of a paper entitled, The Layered Learning Practice Model, Lessons Learned from Implementation. With me is Dr. Nicole Pinelli, who is Clinical Assistant Professor, Eshelman School of Pharmacy, University of North Carolina. Nikki, let's begin by having you define the layered learning practice model. We had developed a collaboration between the UNC Eshelman School of Pharmacy as well as UNC Healthcare System in which that we had created a collaboration where both institutions were committed to each other's success. Basically, when we thought about the layered learning practice model, we wanted to ensure that pharmacy residents and student pharmacists were considered vital components to the delivery of patient-centered care. In regards to the layered learning practice model we had developed, we created a reframing of the traditional clinical specialist model by integrating service-based pharmacy teams that integrate with the larger interdisciplinary healthcare team. We had envisioned upon you know, successful implementation that it would include an attending pharmacist that was responsible for all aspects of care, as well as a combination of clinical generalists, potentially in the model, postgraduate pharmacy residents, either PGY1s or PGY2s, fourth professional year student pharmacists, and pharmacy technicians who were able to provide expanded clinical patient care services. As our model has grown over time and various services that have implemented it, there are members of the team that may vary between different services. But the key goal is that with layered learning, the attending pharmacists and our residents collaborate to train either PGY1 residents in the case of a PGY2 resident or student learners based on their experience level. Well, let's go to the next step. Could you describe briefly the, the study site? The University of North Carolina Medical Center is approximately an 840-bed academic medical center. It is our cornerstone institution in the UNC healthcare system, and we have approximately 375 full-time equivalent staff in the Department of Pharmacy. During the month, we had created what was called the Partnership and Patient Care Agreement at UNC Medical Center between that and the UNC Eshelman School of Pharmacy. And this was established back in September of 2010. During 2011, we had 11 months of what we called our Phase 1 pilots that were conducted on eight unique inpatient services during academic year 2011 and 12. We subsequently analyzed the data that we had from those Phase 1 pilots, which showed promising results of utilizing the layered learning practice model, that by May of 2012, it was being conducted on 25 unique services across varying practice settings. So this included not only our inpatient services, but our ambulatory care services, as well as all specialty areas in our healthcare system, so heart and vascular, hematology, oncology, medicine, pediatrics, as well as surgery services. Well, let's go then to the study that you did here, and could you describe briefly the objective and the method you used, including the interview technique that was involved? Absolutely. I joined UNC in fall of 2012, and as I've already mentioned, 
At that time, our layered learning practice model had been disseminated as a catalyst across our entire healthcare system in the inpatient setting as well as the ambulatory care setting. And so when I came in as the outcomes pharmacist in the UNC healthcare system, I recognized that layered learning practice models across our services had to be tailored to individual practice settings, but there were likely best practices for implementing them regardless of setting or specialty area. So our investigator's goal was to identify strategies to support the effective implementation of this model across an entire hospital or healthcare system, utilizing the various pharmacists that had implemented the model. So specifically, we were trying to study and utilize rigorous qualitative methods to understand from the, the thoughts of our attending pharmacists that practice in diverse settings and practices, their experiences implementing the model, their perceived benefits of it, as well as perceptions of what was an effective layered learning practice model and barriers to implementation. To be able to do this, we recruited attending pharmacists that had implemented the model, both in the acute and ambulatory care setting, that had designed and implemented that layered learning practice model that consisted of resident level learners, either PGY2 or PGY1, as well as PY4 student pharmacists. And we asked them to engage in approximately a 90-minute face-to-face semi-structured interview in which our research team had created a consistent list of questions that we asked these participants to discuss that related back to the goals and the objectives of the study. Nikki, you say in the article that uh, a sense of urgency for the layered learning practice model originated from a dramatic increase in the number of learners. Could you elaborate on that? Um, in February of 2011, which was about six to eight weeks prior to our first pilots and implementation of the model, in North Carolina, our AHEC sites, or our Area Health Education Center sites, that provided APPE experiences across the state decreased dramatically. And this resulted in UNC healthcare system increasing twofold the number of student experiences that were provided at UNC Medical Center. And that has continued to increase over time. So in terms of specific student numbers, and then I can get into actual rotation experiences, you know, back in fiscal year 2010, we had about 132 experiences that were provided, specific rotations by UNC Medical Center. And they've continued to increase drastically, you know, as of fiscal year 16, between our APPEs and our early immersion experiences of our new curriculum were now up to 551 rotation months that are provided by the UNC healthcare system. This translates to about 48 student pharmacists in the APPE year that are assigned to UNC healthcare to complete the vast majority of their experiences, as well as, as I've mentioned, we have a new curriculum in which UNC healthcare has committed to providing 11 months of experiences per calendar year for students that range in the PY1 through PY3 year. And this is obviously a course in addition to the growing residency numbers that have happened over time prior to implementation of the LLPM, UNC Medical Center had about 17 residents and we're up to about 35 for this fiscal year. Why, those are dramatic numbers. Yes, obviously I think we're at a point now that we're vested in this model. It really was a sense of urgency on our part to kind of figure out how do we best utilize students and residents um, to engage in our practice model. Well, let's discuss the uh, key attributes for the effective design and implementation of the layered learning practice models 
that your study identified. Could you, uh, uh, first of all, name the seven attributes you found and then comment on which one of those you think is most important? Yeah, our pharmacist recommended seven, as you've mentioned, seven key attributes that that we recommend as an institution that hospital and health system pharmacy departments need to consider in designing and implementing effective layered learning practice models. The description of those is outlined in the manuscript, but they incorporate shared leadership, systematic approach to identify how to align educational goals of the school as well as organizational initiatives on the health system level, communication across the entire organization being open and transparent, having some level of flexibility for attending pharmacists, knowing that practice environments and goals may vary a little bit, pharmacist to pharmacist and service to service, understanding resources and that you know clinical extender support will always be limited in trying to design it. Um, with that in mind, commitment from all the key stakeholders, not only the School of Pharmacy and the hospital and health system, uh, but the attending pharmacist group, the learners, to ensure that you're moving it in the correct direction, and particularly the evaluation piece and having someone that's committed to working on the front line with these practitioners to build the layered learning practice model and ensuring that you're evaluating it over time. Um, in terms of the most important one, I, I mean, we would think that they're all important, but you, know, you have to have the right culture up front between the health system and the School of Pharmacy to ensure that you're working mutually towards strategically defined goals that the hospital understands the educational missions of the school and what learners need to be engaged in and, and vice versa that the school is committed to advancing practice through utilization of learners in these environments. Without that culture, all the other items about flexibility, resources, evaluation will not be key. So I guess if I had to pick one, it would be that. We think that they're all important, but you have to have the right culture between your institutions to make it work. Well, that makes a lot of sense to me. You, you did mention that one of the attributes is adequate resources. Of course, that'll be of special interest to the managers of pharmacy departments. Could you just elaborate a bit on that? When we rolled out the layered learning practice model and, and its idea, we tried to define the model based upon you know, having consistent clinical extender support on those pilot months that we did, particularly back in 2011. And so in those months, we certainly had a resident-level learner, a student-level learner on every month in which we piloted. As we expanded across our healthcare system, and we have several services, I mean, almost every service offers this as part of their learning experiences, regardless of level of learner, we recognize that no matter how many student pharmacists that you have agreed to have on the APPE level or even earlier learner levels, you're never going to have across every single service two to three learners every single month out of the entire year. And so when you're trying to design these effective models, you just need to take that into consideration knowing that you want to build it based on what is already available and existing resources that are available within your institution and defining activities and goals of the layered learning practice piece of the model that can be accomplished as learners flux, regardless of what type of learner ends up in your environment. Nikki, from your perspective, what do you think tend to be the most important challenges in implementing the layered learner practice model? So I think I would refer back to some of the findings that we report in the manuscript, particularly attending pharmacists speaking about ensuring that you define the layered learning practice model 
to some level of consistency across practice sites and the institutions that you're working with if it's more than one institution. So knowing that your cardiology service pharmacist and your oncology service pharmacist at least have some key defining elements. We know that the practice will vary a little bit different in those environments, but ensuring that there is some consistency in what does layered learning practice model mean for your institution. Some of our attending pharmacists had also identified that there may be some challenges in terms of learners that may be more advanced based upon their levels. So we had some situations, you know, certainly where a PY4 may have been more advanced than a PGY1 and just making sure that you're planning for what happens in that environment with layered learning should, should you reach into those different things. Um, some of the other things I, I think are just more logistical space. Where do you put all the learners, particularly time constraints in the ambulatory care environment? You know, how long will patients sit around for an appointment when you have multiple learners that you need to engage and how might you structure your visits with the various learners to ensure that you're thinking about the time commitment of the patient. And then working very, very closely with your Office of Experiential Education at the school and ensuring that scheduling and unpredicted scheduling challenges don't happen as often as you'd want them to. Nikki, you've commented on uh, the application of the layered learner practice model to preparing students in the practice environment and preparing residents. I'm curious, is this model relevant to a hospital pharmacy department that provides learning experiences for student pharmacists but does not have residents? Today, absolutely. Some examples that I can share that, you know, certainly were not part of this study, but our new curriculum at the University of North Carolina Eshelman School of Pharmacy has currently introduced three eight-week experiences for early learners. And those are not longitudinal experiences one day per week, but those are full-time eight-week experiences similar to having an APPE on site for an entire eight weeks. And those occur 11 calendar months of the year. Certainly, those are in the areas of health system practice, inpatient clinical environments, as well as ambulatory care. Um, so currently at UNC Medical Center and our affiliate sites, we have utilized combinations of these learners with residents, but in some months, these students are scheduled with APPEs or PY4s on APPEs exclusively. So we're starting to see as we've grown this model over time and started to think about earlier learners in the layered learning practice models, not obviously during the time of this study, that we are utilizing different levels of student learners in layered learning. I think the key thing is defining what each level of learner knowledge and skill set they need to learn and defining that across the institution. Additionally, some of our partner sites that are not affiliated with UNC, but other healthcare systems in the state of North Carolina have started to build some of these layered learning models exclusively with PY4s and our early learners. As a system, we're very fortunate to have PGY2s and PGY1s and APPEs, as well as these PY1 through PY3 learners at UNC Medical Center. But I think there are ways to define layered learning outside of just resident and APPEs. Mickey, one of the things I'm curious about relates to the fact that practitioners spending time with student pharmacists in advanced uh, pharmacy practice experiences, uh, it can be very demanding, perhaps uh, even distracting to some extent. And of course, uh, colleges and schools of pharmacy uh, expect good teaching uh, principles to be used during the instruction uh, in that component of PharmD education. A lot of uh, practitioners are, have been looking for a trade-off, 
between spending that time and effort with uh, student pharmacists and uh, getting some uh, productivity out of the uh, PharmD students. It's quite interesting that in the Pharmacy Forecast 2017 report uh, from the ASHP Foundation, they probed this issue a little bit. They asked whether it was uh, reasonable to expect that over the next five years or so, at least half of health systems will have a formal plan for achieving an appropriate balance between the time their staff is spending with uh, student pharmacists and the productivity of the PharmD students. 20% of the respondents said that this was very likely. First of all, do you agree with the implicit point that there should be some appropriate balance between the effort of preceptors and the productivity or work output of students? Going on record, I'm not sure if I would totally take a stance on this one way or the other. I think I can just draw from some experiences regarding how we grew the layered learning practice model. And we called it the layered learning practice model for a reason. Um, we didn't call it layered learning model. We didn't call it layered practice model. You know, we wanted to demonstrate and show that this was a combination of the education provided to our students and our residents, as well as that engagement of those students and total engagement of those students in our patient care initiatives as well as our organizational initiatives. So going back to, you know, some of our core attributes that we think is important for hospital and health system pharmacy departments to consider in building the layered learning practice model. I think we talked about that shared leadership, that systematic approach to defining what are the educational needs of the institution and the school of pharmacy, but once again, what are the organizational goals that students can assist and contribute to? Well, as I said, uh, in the uh, forecast panel survey for the 2017 Pharmacy Forecast Report, only 20% of the respondents thought it was very likely that up to half of health systems will achieve this balance that I was talking about. Uh, you have any thoughts about what might explain sort of a, a low uh, expectation for achieving balance? So certainly, Bill, I haven't had a chance to study this. I would love to. So I can only really shed some light on some challenges that we've had with the layered learning practice model. You know, essentially thinking about our question earlier about resources and having a consistent flow of student learners on every practice site in every practice setting 12 months out of the year has been a challenge. Additionally, we've seen in our institution a lot more initiatives on our acute care environment related to transitional care and other key initiatives within our organization. We've also seen some shifting of increased emphasis in the ambulatory care environment with our pharmacists and, and building in those areas. And so some of those challenges could potentially explain, but I'm not sure we could fully understand that unless we studied it and truly understood the reports of the pharmacy forecast 2017 and what those various directors of pharmacy had to say and why they responded the way that they did. Well, Nikki, as we draw our conversation to a close, let me give you an opportunity to make any final, uh, state any final thoughts you have for practice leaders who are contemplating implementing a layered learning practice model. I would just end by saying, you know, certainly when we started this back in 2011, we had to ask preceptors to engage in this new model of practice as well as education. And I think, you know, as we've talked about shared leadership, systematic approach, it really has been embedded in our culture. Pretty much every preceptor at the UNC healthcare system is engaged in layered learning practice model. 
you know, obviously with our earlier learners coming on board now, we don't see any change in that no, in the near future, probably for a very long time. We've covered the majority of the recommendations that I would say to health system leaders um, that will be particularly important to think through um, and that are outlined in our manuscript. And I would just offer that you know our institution has, has been doing this for quite some time and we're willing to collaborate or answer any site-specific questions that may come from practice leaders via email or setting up conference calls if needed. This has been a discussion with Dr. Nicole Pinelli of the Eshelman School of Pharmacy, University of North Carolina, about her AJHP paper, The Layered Learning Practice Model, Lessons Learned from Implementation. For AJHP Voices, this is William Zelmer. Thank you for listening. That concludes this interview. For more information about AJHP, the premier source for impactful, relevant, and cutting-edge professional and scientific content that drives optimal medication use and health outcomes, please visit www.ajhp.org.